0: It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics.
1: Welcome to Episode 446 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This week I have a fun conversation with comics journalist and new indie creator Rick Offenberger from G-Man Comics. His Kickstarter going on right now, which you can support, of course, is for Simon N. Kirby The Agent, number one and number two. The Agent is a story of an FBI agent and the superheroes that are all registered with the government. Kirby is the man in charge of their superhero team, the G-Men, and it operates on a Mission Impossible style, where he selects the right agents for the right mission. We talk about how the book came to be, the very creative aspects of the series, including the fact that you could have your own superhero added in the future, and what Rick is up to in the next couple of months. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy what he has to say. There's a lot to get to in this episode, so let's get on with the show. It's great to welcome to the podcast Rick Offenberger, comic book journalist and co-author of the MLJ Companion, among other great things. And he has a great Kickstarter going on right now for what is called Simon and Kirby, the Agent, number one and two. How you doing, Rick?
0: I'm doing great, Wayne. Thanks for having me on your show.
1: It's great to talk with you. You and I have known each other online for a long time, and it's great to finally get to speak with you.
0: I think we only talked the first day it started at First Comics News, and after that, it's all been like emailing online.
1: That's right. That's the way it kind of goes. And I, I still do stuff with you guys, and I write reviews occasionally, and I'll do a, a column here and there. And so I, I want to keep up with those good things. But, yeah, you guys have a great way of, of looking at comics, and I really appreciate it.
0: I'm really big on indie comics, and uh, you know, I'm happy to be part of that scene myself.
1: Yeah, yeah, was great. Now, let's get right to your Kickstarter. Uh, Okay. Again, it's Simon N. Kirby, The Agent 1 and 2. And let me read your description a little bit of it. It says, The agent is the story of FBI agent Simon N. Kirby. And I want to talk about that a little bit. And the world of G-Man comics. In his world, all superheroes are registered with the government. As part of the Superhero Registration Act, superheroes may be pressed into service to protect their country as needed. Simon N. Kirby is the man in charge of the FBI superhero team, the G-Men. It operates in a Mission Impossible style where he selects the right agents for the right mission and this is for G-Man comics. Yes. Of course, you talked about the G-Man in there. Now, I want to delve into a couple of things here. Sure. Simon Simon and Kirby is clearly an allusion to Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. (laughs) Of of
0: course. Of course. And they made lots and lots of patriotic characters that uh, I have enjoyed every single one of them. And, um, you know, I thought that it was a great name myself. Um, other people may find it a little cheesy, but there, there are a few cheesy things in the book. Um, I, don't, I don't shy away from them. Uh, Simon N. Kirby is your Democratic D.C.-style uh, Silver Age hero. All-around good guy, a square job. Um, I've got a secondary character in here, um, Sergeant Flagg, and he is uh, Rob McFarlane. And you can see where the illusion comes from there. And he is a 90s style kick-ass character. And uh, they're both very patriotic and they're both very different. And between the two of them, we kind of cover the spectrum of what it is to be patriotic. Patriotic. For my world, um, I wanted to to have a rotating cast of G-Men. I didn't just want, you know, we're going to, because it's not really a team book, but he's a team leader. And so um, we decided that we should do a superhero registration act, but not like Marvel, not where there's a civil war, not where people care um, or upset about it. It's just a thing. It just is. And so if you're a superhero, you have to register. You get you become deputized. You get to go out and fight crime. Um, but just like anyone else who's out there fighting crime, you know, if there's an emergency and they need you, they get to call you up. And I thought that would give a different element and make it a little more real.
1: Mm -hmm. Very true. Now, before we get too far into it, I want to talk about the fact that you have already met your goal, which is a great way to do it. Now, this is your very first Kickstarter. Which Okay. And there's so many times when people start out with a Kickstarter, they struggle and they don't make it. But you're fortunate enough to have already met your goal. In fact, you're past it going into stretch goals and stuff like that. I mean, what's that like for a first timer?
0: Well, there's a small problem with this whole thing in that I run a panel for 10 years at San Diego and WonderCon, and it's how to get press coverage. And one of the things that our panelists talk about is how to launch your Kickstarter and how to get your indie book going. And so, you know, it was time to put my money where my mouth is. And so uh, we made sure that uh, we had a real good team on this. We worked on this for about a year before we were ready to launch. Um, we put a lot of work into this and a lot of people, good people working with me on this project so that we would be really prepared to put out a professional looking product. And when we were ready to go, we launched and we funded fully in 38 minutes.
1: Wow. You you don't understand how many people out there are going, Oh man, is he lucky. It, you know it's, that- it was
0: a lot of preparation. It really was. It took uh, a lot of hard work from a lot of people We started with the basic on the artwork in February, you know, and and we'd been, we'd already, you know, we'd had plans and plots and all that ready. And of course, here we are um, in August, and we still have, uh, you know, three pages of story to do because if you pledge to the level where your superhero is part of our book, we have to draw those pages with your characters in it. So, we, we had five spots for um, superheroes because we figured that there would be five other characters, and then I'd throw my characters in there as well. And so uh, those people need to have their character at least in some part of the action. And so we're really excited about this.
1: See, you brought up something I really want to talk about is uh, that you, you can have your character in there. And, of course, I don't have any characters. I'm too much of a Batman guy. So. But talk about that. I mean, how do you get your character in your book?
0: basically you you just pledge uh but the idea was that um i've I've got a character links that's just going to do a cameo in the first book but it'll have a bigger role in the second book and and the kickstarters for both anyway but i created links over 20 years ago when i was a comic shop retailer and we'd made an ash can for the comic shop and never published the comic because you know life got in the way and i lost the store and we went you know went different ways and but um you know, I'd always had that in the back of my mind. And as a kid, I drew millions of drawings of superheroes. I actually have a binder with tons of superheroes that I drew. And this is my first time doing a comic book. And it's really, really exciting for me to get my ideas and my characters out there in people's hands. And rather than just throw in five characters, uh, you know, that won't mean as much to other people of my characters. I wanted to share this experience so that people who have characters that like mine that have been sitting in mothballs or that they'd drawn as kids or anything like that, that they really wanted out there, or even themselves that they wanted to be in the book. We could get their information and we could get uh, whatever visual references they have, get them off to Gilbert, and he can draw a who's who page for them. So they could see what their character's like. And then Jim could do the production and we could put it together just like a Marvel-style handbook or a DC Who's Who and have a page in the back of the book for that. Uh, We're also going to do trading cards. So we'd put the same picture on the front of the trading card and a condensed version of that information on the back of the trading card. But also we'll let you be in the story. Um, In the story, in the first issue... We deal with a few things. Uh, We start off with, um, I'd seen an episode of Vice about ghost guns. And uh, basically, they start off in the Philippines with scrap metal and artisans there, turn them into replicas of uh, guns that you see in America, but they're fully functional, but they have no serial numbers. And then they're imported Mm -hmm. to the U.S. where they're used by uh, militia groups and street gangs for guns that can't be traced, which is why they call them ghost guns. Then those groups, after they kill people with them, move them down the line and they explain how they go down the line in the United States, at least in the episode of vice they did, until they leave the United States and go into Mexico where they live a similar life and then into South America. And it's a whole you know run for these. So I thought, well, if I'm doing a patriotic character, there's no better villain than the Nazis. But I'm not doing a period piece. So we were going to use American Nazis. We we're going to use white supremacists. So the story starts off with the guns ending up in the hands of the white supremacists, which is how um, our heroes uh, find out about uh, the white supremacists. And um, at the same time I'm working on the book, there was the um, Raid Area 51 movement going on in Facebook and all over the Internet. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's another conspiracy theory by uh, Peter Beter, who – thought there was no gold in Fort Knox. And Peter Better's theory uh, gained so much traction that they opened Fort Knox up to congressmen and senators and uh, the news teams from all the networks so they could tour Fort Knox to prove that there actually was gold in Fort Knox. So I thought we're going to have the um, militia group um, in Kentucky attack Fort Knox To try and prove there's no gold and if it turns out there is they'll steal it and use that to finance their operations but i figured a small militia group can't really take on a u.s fort so we brought in a giant robot (laughs) and so that's where your characters come in your characters uh, start off as the front line fighting the giant robot and so we have uh, three pages of of, uh, these five different characters engaged in this battle uh, royal with the giant robot and uh, eventually he, the giant robot takes towards my character and starts pummeling him until, you know, ultimately, hopefully he's successful and survives the event. But um, I thought it would be fun to see your character in action, to get a who's who page for your character. If the campaign is successful, we're going to, uh, you know, and we reach our final stretch goal, we'll actually produce a physical who's who book. And we will give that free to everyone who purchased both um, issue one and issue two. Um, if you purchased it in print, you'll get a free physical print copy, and if you purchase the digital copy, you'll get a free digital copy.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, look, tell me: Is the robot your creation? Yes. Okay, so he is your. Well, creator. it's okay. me and Gilbert.
0: I mean, I, I it was all my, it was m- my idea that we'd have this giant robot, and I sent images of what the giant robot would look like to Gilbert. And then Gilbert made the robot look quite what uh, he thought the robot should look like, which didn't look exactly like my robot, but it was wonderful. And that's why he's the artist and I'm not.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a, now, since you brought up Gilbert, and, uh, and let's talk about the creative team real briefly, and I'll get back to the book. Who is Gilbert, and how did you come across him to be the artist?
0: Well, I had started um, with, with a different character that was actually going to be the character for this Kickstarter originally, um, Agent Shield. And I was working with an artist, Mitch Kwok, and we were doing mock covers. So they weren't uh, actual comics or anything like that. It was just fanboy art. And um, Eric Bennett um, was doing um, some art on Deviant Art and you know, posting it and doing some mock covers, too. And he told me I needed to get to know Gilbert Monsanto and enter my character in Gilbert Monsanto's arena. It's on Facebook. And in the arena, the heroes battle each other, and the way they battle each other is the different fans uh, vote for each character, and whoever wins the vote wins the battle. And um, underneath the original post with the poll, everyone's electioneering and telling everyone why their character is so great. And And Gilbert draws a picture of everyone's character that enters the arena, and then there's another drawing for the winner. And so... (laughs) I had my drawing of my character, and I was all happy, and I thought I was done. That was just a one and done. It wasn't, um, you know, I wasn't really planning on doing anything more with it. Uh, Mitch Kwok, who was doing the covers, uh, said he wanted to do a comic, and I said, uh, you know, the only thing that would really kill my character better than anything else is doing a crappy comic. Not that we wanted to do a crappy comic, but I just didn't have a lot of faith in our ability at that point. And so... Gilbert did a few more drawings of my characters, uh, not, not just the first one, but, but several others in, in the arena. And um, he had made an offer to work with me um, on the book. And so in the first issue, uh, it's my very first time ever writing a comic. And so I had to rely on Gilbert uh, a whole lot. We brought in uh, Lou Mugen, who is our story editor, and uh, far, far more practice at this than any of us. So that uh, mm-hmm. he could look at what we've uh, written and, and give us some honest uh, feedback. Uh, with the second issue, I'm doing a story with a character called Murder Hornet uh, as the bad guy. And Murder Hornet was going to be really the white supremacist guy behind everything. He was going to be our version of Bruce Wayne or Tony Stark. Um, only... Uh, when his parents die, he's raised by an evil white supremacist butler who takes him to the dark side. Um, as I'm doing this and getting things ready, I'm watching TV and they're the murder hornets. Not only are we dealing with the um, plague of all plagues, but now murder hornets are coming to our shores. They can sting uh, through beekeeper suits and kill uh, honeybees. And I thought, oh, I got to switch this up and instead of a character all in white with a you know pointy mask. Uh, at the top, we'll we'll do this as the murder hornet, and so he's registered as a superhero, but his like Iron Man, where he has his bodyguard impersonate him, he has his bodyguard registered for him. So when he gets in trouble, he the bodyguard's the one who has to go downtown and answer for everything. The bodyguard's the one who goes to jail if someone goes to jail, and so that you know we thought this would be a nice twist. And in addition, um, in the early issues of um, Iron Man and Tales of Suspense. Iron Man was the arms manufacturer for um, the Marvel Universe, and that's how he ended up getting the Iron Man armor, too, is that, you know, with his arms manufacturing business. We wanted to tap into that in that um, our, our guy Murder Hornet, in his civilian life, is the arms manufacturer for our universe, so he's very, very well connected. He has lots of rich and powerful friends. And uh, when he's on his own free time, he likes to dress up as a superhero and beat up people of color for minor infractions so that he feels better and superior. But uh, he doesn't want to have to deal with the consequences. And he's the guy who does all the tech for my characters through the government. So uh, none of it works quite right when they're trying to use it against the
1: problems that he creates. Wow. So it's really going to be interesting. So how did you get these guys together, though? I mean, you, you talked about Gilbert and through Eric. What about Lou and, and, and Jim Burroughs, the production editor?
0: OK, well, uh, Lou, I've known for probably 20 years. Um, I've interviewed Lou a few times. Uh, we chat on Facebook. Um, I, I've uh, liked his work. He's fan fiction um, on the MightyCrusaders.net website. I host some of his stories. So, so we're old acquaintances and um, old friends. I don't. I mean, I'm thinking it's 20 years that I've known him. And so, um, when it came time for some uh, scripting advice and dialogue advice, he has experience. He, he worked on in Inhumans at Marvel. He's done a million projects uh, for indie creators. Uh, he's done a lot of work for Hero Comics, which is doing basically what we're doing: small press indie comics. And so, I showed him. You know what I had. And when he looked at the stuff that I had for Murder Hornet, it was way too much of a Batman story. And so initially he said, no, 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 we got to change this. So we, we changed up the origin at the beginning. And um, as soon as I was done with that and showed it to him, he says, OK, now we got to change the rest. So uh, then we had to change, uh, change everything about Murder Hornet. And so I'll I'll make the changes. I'll show it to him. He'll tell me where I'm having problems with my dialogue or where things don't make sense. And it's nice to have another set of eyes and someone who knows what they're doing kind of guide me through this so that when we're done, people feel like they got a quality product. Jim Burroughs is the master of Hero Machine. And um, I I met him online through the G Man Club. And he made a million uh, Hero Machine characters for us. And we got the idea to publish some fanzines together and he did produ- all the production work on the fanzines. They'd look really, really bad. If I did the production work, I, I can do some production work, but not to the quality level that he can do. And so, um, he's taken up the reins on all this stuff. I'll, I'll rough out uh, a logo. This is what I want the logo to look like. And, um, I put it up and it, it's a little jaggedy here and there and things like that. And he takes it, puts it in Photoshop, uh, cleans it all up, vectors it, makes it look good. And uh, he organizes everything and helps all that. Uh, Eric Bennett, who introduced me to uh, Gilbert Monsanto, is doing our lettering, and he's going to be um, doing some of his characters in our second uh, Kickstarter. We're a little early to talk about the second one since the first one's just starting. But Mm -hmm. um, we're going to do some original characters from Jim and some original characters from Eric. And Jim, Eric, and I are G-Man Comics. And so we hope just to have fun. We're we're not looking to become rich or famous or anything like that. We're hoping to break even and get the artist paid and be able to tell our stories and share our vision with uh, readers who we hope enjoy it. Uh, The other artist we have on issue two is Alan Ferrer. Alan Ferrer had done a piece for a character called uh, Marshall Strong, who is uh, another legacy character on the Internet. And he's going to be in his own comic. And I'd seen it. It was in a manga style. And I, I contacted him. Uh, Alan, and asked if he could do something similar for me, and um, he put out a piece for me that we're going to use as the uh, alternate cover on issue one, and I thought it was really cool, and he said, um, you should see my regular work. So, he sent me a link to some of his stuff, and I looked at his stuff, and it looked good, and so I had him do a piece for me for the Who's Who on Lynx. Lynx is the character I created when I had the comic shop, and I was going to publish my own comic, and at the time, it was one guy, but over time in my mind, it became a couple. Uh, lynx is one of those words where it ends with an X, and so the plural and the singular are both the same. Uh, there's some people out there that say links to this, but that's, that's not uh, exactly right. Um, and so I thought this would be a lot of fun. So I um, sent Alan what I had, and um, I asked him to draw the couple. And he did such a wonderful job. I was blown away. I showed it to Jim and Eric. They were all amazed at how nice it looked. So I gave them the script for issue number two. And he's pretty fast. So we're looking mm-hmm. at this and we're thinking we could actually put issue one and two in the same Kickstarter. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, Gilbert's pretty much done except for the pages where we have to add the um, characters from other people who join the Kickstarter. But... Um, Alan is um, expecting to finish by the 15th of August, the whole, his whole section for issue two. So we're running through the month of August. We'll be completely done at the end of August for both books. And so we're, we're excited about this. Um, I also have Steve Butler, who I worked with at Archie. He did Sonic, and uh, he did the new look at Archie. But he also is at Marvel doing uh, Silver Sable and also um, Web of Spider-Man. So I I asked him to do um, an alternate cover on each book, too. And so we're excited about that. We did it in color, and we're also offering it in black and white. Unlike everyone else, Steve Butler does the whole thing on board, whereas the other guys scan it and then color it. uh, Steve does it all on Bristol board, penciled and inked and, you know, fully finished. And then um, we get it colored. So he had the boards in his studio, and so we're going to actually sell those. Mm-hmm. And for $150, if you want the cover to either of the comics, you could own the cover. And uh, Steve will mail it directly from his studio to your home. And uh, if you'd like it inscribed, he'll be happy to autograph it or inscribe it for you whenever you like. But I thought this would be cool. It's not a moneymaker for us. It's uh, you know We're, we're just uh, trying to get Steve paid for this, too. But, you know, it's kind of cool, or at least we think it's cool. And someone will have, you know, hopefully we'll do this for a long time and they'll be able to say they got the first cover we ever produced.
1: Mm -hmm. Because that's uh, one of the great things that uh, that happens is that people who can do the physical artwork can make a little extra money by selling that. And I always applaud that because, you know, when you do it on the computer, you could print it out, but who cares if you draw it and make it? I mean, that is something Mm -hmm. worth having in my mind. So I'm really glad you guys are doing that.
0: Well, I thought it would be really cool. Well, I told him when we started this whole thing, well, I don't know if I want to put them on Kickstarter, if I just want them myself and put them on my own wall, it's hard not to be greedy and, and want to own art yourself. Mm-hmm. But yeah. if we're really doing a business, you know, I, I've got to see that we, we make the money to pay all the artists and all that. So um, I thought we'd put them on there and if no one buys them, then I'll still get them. But if someone buys them, then I hope they enjoy um, all of this as much as we do.
1: Mm-hmm. It's just going to be great stuff. I, I'm so looking forward to it. Now, one of the things, if you go to the Kickstarter page, you get to see artwork and you get to see a little hints of the story as you go through it, which I really enjoyed. So I thought okay. that was your, I I didn't realize until you were talking about it, why you named the character Murder Hornet. <laughs> <laughs> It is really apparent,
0: but I mean, the idea is that he he pretends to be the good guy, but he's the bad guy. So the name kind of works like that because it sounds like a villain. And at the same time, I thought it was topical because one of the things we're dealing with is uh, white supremacists and we're dealing with uh, violence towards people of color and uh, hatred. And all those things when we started a year ago weren't topical and in the news. They just were ways to get our patriotic character to be relevant in today's society but the world has changed since we started, and now these are really, really topical ideas.
1: Mm-hmm. Which is great. I mean, it's great to have a, a book that is current. You know, cause like I say, this podcast is always trying to be current. And so to see your book, and and it's interesting that the world caught up with you doing that. That's funny. So let's, t- I, w- I was interested too. you, you briefly touched on, it, I thought we'd talk a little bit. I, I want to get into that a little bit by saying, I really enjoy the way that the costume is with the white. And I like the name, the agent and, and good things like that. You touched on it briefly that you made a change. Do you want to really briefly talk about that?
0: Oh, sure. Uh, not a problem. Um, I had uh, my own legacy character, um, I called him Agent Shield and I had filed a uh, copyright on him and I had used him on the masthead of First Comics News and I had used him on Facebook and I put him in greetings for different holidays. And when we got together with Mitch Quack, we did 85. We were going to do 100. We ended up stopped at 85. 85 mock covers with him in it. And so I thought this is kind of cool. And for me, he was the Flash and uh, the S.H.I.E.L.D. mixed together. He had the red maroon costume like the Flash did, and it was all monochrome. And then he had, uh, you know, and he had the Wally West uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. type uh, mask. And so, me, it was kind of a blend, and it was an homage character, and that was all cool. But once you start the Kickstarter and you put it up on the Internet, uh, and you're not just dealing with the people who are really into this kind of minutiae, he looked way too much like the Archie S.H.I.E.L.D., And people had made that mistake, and we weren't going to bait and switch, and we weren't going to have people think they were getting something they weren't getting and then get my character. And even worse, what if they gave us money and then were disgruntled that they got something they weren't expecting? And once, I mean, we went up live on Saturday, and by Monday, we knew we were in trouble. Not not any real trouble, but I mean just that we were uh, causing some brand confusion here, which we did not intend. So um, we made some changes, some cosmetic changes to the costume. My character had been all red, but the uh, shield was like blue on top and red on bottom. And then he had white gloves and white boots. So he was all red, white and blue. I didn't want to go red. We didn't want, we went red and we, we had, uh, you know, there was some confusion. I didn't want to go blue because I'm thinking he's half blue. That'll cause the same confusion. So we went with white. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's one of the red, white and blue patriotic colors. And it'll look nice. And so we took the stripes off the um, costume and replaced them with an American Eagle. So we still gave the same patriotic feel. And um, I think that that'll stop anyone from being confused because they don't visually look alike at all anymore. And then the character was called uh, Simon and Kirby agent shield. And so we just cut the shield off of it to, to end any of that. And I, I, no one to blame but myself for confusion because uh, it didn't dawn on me that anyone would make that mistake. It looked different to me. It was a different type of character. It was different in tone and character. Uh, We're gonna have a lot of police procedural elements in the stories that aren't in normal comics and certainly hasn't been in anything The Shield's ever done. Um, The world is very different and I just saw the differences. I didn't see the visual similarities. And so we just wanted to cut that off immediately uh, artists worked double time to redo the coloring on the pages that we had out there that were colored. Uh, Gilbert is actually in, in, I guess, 24 hours, recolored everything now, mm-hmm. except we got like three promo pieces. We're still, we're still going to finish up where we recolored them to to the new colors, so that, that wouldn't be a problem. Eric's already rel- lettered the first two pages, so we're not expecting this change to uh, cause any delay in production of the book. We're still expecting. Kickstarter will run through August, and then we'll have the book delivered in October. Because uh, in our past experiences with the printer, it takes about three weeks uh, to get the comic published and printed, and, you know, and all that ready for shipping. And with COVID, it might take longer. And so we wanted to give ourselves enough window there. So we, um, it, you know, everything goes well, we'll have everything completed and finished before the Kickstarter actually ends. And when the Kickstarter ends, we'll just turn everything over to the printer, which will give them a decent amount of time to get everything ready and shipping. And so people will actually have it in their hands in October.
1: Which is cool. It's great that you're responsive like that to do that. I mean, I would love to see the S.H.I.E.L.D. get his own. And all those Archie heroes, the Fly, Black Hood, all those I would love to see. But, uh, you know, in in a way, it's great that you had to do this because – it's made your character more unique. I love the white outfit. I love the, the, the I like calling him the agent and yeah. stuff like that. And I just think the whole thing is, is I think it's actually going to turn out for the best, you know, to do those. Cause it just looks great the way that it's done the white with the gold and all those things. I just, you know, to me, it just sings. So I, I, I think you've actually improved on it. Uh, well, as thank far you. As that goes.
0: Thank you. I'm very, very excited about that. Also, it makes it a little more true to the character because my character's not going to have a secret identity. He's an FBI agent assigned to this mission, to this job, and he doesn't uh, he wasn't necessarily looking for it. So they make him a superhero. And by just changing him to the agent, he's Agent Kirby, which he was as an FBI agent. And he is as a superhero. And um, a lot of the stuff we do is uh, kind of street level. None of my characters have superpowers. When one of my characters uh, needs a healing character, we actually had to venture from uh, my corner of the G-Man universe to Jim Burroughs' corner so that we could borrow one of his characters that had superpowers. And then we deal with mm-hmm. the fact that the guy who stabbed, once the, he, the healing spell is, is, is upon him and he, he's healed, how do you then prosecute the person who stabbed him? Because there's no injury.
1: Yeah, that's that, that's a good question because that's going to be something. Are, are you going to deal with that issue?
0: We're going. to Yes, we are. Um, we're in, in our in our universe. Uh, you know, the bad guy isn't running out of a bank with a burlap bag with a big dollar bill sign on the side of it. Um, we're really going to have our guy go in and arrest arrest the bad guy, take him off in cuffs, take him down uh, to be questioned, have his attorney there when he's questioned, have uh, you know. I have to actually book him for the crime I like poor least procedural TV shows I, I always have and so I wanted to put some elements of that into the comic to make it feel more real I, I want my characters to be uh, realistic characters that people can relate to if not you know personally relate to their experience at least be able to understand them and and, and feel like they know what's going on uh, more Batman than Superman but um, even even Batman is is um, beyond what these characters are going to do. They're not going to train their whole lives to be superheroes. They're not, you know, at least my characters. Um, Eric has some really powerful characters. Jim has a lot of different uh, characters. He um, was real big in the world of gaming and uh, his gaming world was set in a city called uh, New Arcadia. And so New Arcadia is our only fictitious city in our universe. All the rest of our characters exist in the real world that you and I live in. And so uh, we're bringing in 20 years of role-playing game characters and adventures that they had that are going to be part of our universe. And so um, we're hoping that's fun for people, too, especially if you were into gaming. But even if you weren't, they're really fleshed out characters. After 20 years, he's really developed them.
1: So you bring up an interesting point, though, is that uh, as far as like uh, uh, Simon and Kirby and these other characters, are they – and and creators often do this. They'll often base characters on people they know or on characters they understand. So they get a a good grasp of how these characters would react and speak and and do things. Did you base like, like Kirby on anybody? Like, is he based on you or is he based on somebody, you know, how did you come up with his personality?
0: Well, Kirby is basically every archetype character I've ever read or enjoyed. I mean, um, to some degree he's, he's the way I would do Barry Allen. You know, where Barry Allen his, Barry Allen and, and Clark Kent had probably the best use of their secret identity where, you know, you got the feel that he was the police scientist and you got the feel that Clark Kent was a reporter. You didn't really get the feel that Green Lantern was a jet pilot. You know what I mean? You knew he was a jet pilot, but they didn't really get into what that meant and what his job was about. And so I wanted a character where his job was, uh, you know part of who he is, and so we have scenes with him just having a cup of coffee, talking to the other characters. We have scenes that are mundane, that are just part of life, so that you get the feel for who he is. Personality-wise, he's probably a more even-keeled version of uh, the way I would talk or react, Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm not a superhero. I'm not in those type of positions, but the way I would imagine it is. The opposite end of the spectrum is um, our character, uh, Rob McFarlane, who is Sergeant Flagg, who's the real gung-ho character, maybe not as antisocial as the Punisher, but someone, um, he's a Marine, and his job is to rescue those that are in um, danger or captured. And that's how we use him. He's reassigned uh, to the FBI temporarily, and so we use him to rescue the agent that got captured while investigating the ghost guns, and that's how we get him into the story. Uh, And then he's intricate to the um, origin of links. when we get to that, uh, into the next Kickstarter. But, you know, he's someone who gets things done and does what needs to be done. And there are elements of that to everyone. I I have elements where, you know, you buckle down and you do what has to be done. I don't go out and, you know, shoot people and and fight and and all that. But uh, certainly you have to draw on your own experiences to the best you can for these things. Uh, the lynx characters are very much in love with each other and very passionate and uh, we try and explore that so each of the characters has a different aspect of different types of personalities i think everyone has some of these personality traits to them and so we're just like turning this up to 10 and um, exaggerating these traits into the characters but um, in in all these characters they're all street level characters none of my characters um at least that we've Ever uh, examined so far have any superpowers? They're all just regular people who are in this um, you know superhero world, trying to bring justice however they see it best fit. Whereas um, you know Agent Kirby sees it as a law officer and he's going to do what's best for the country and to keep order. Uh, you know Sergeant Flagg sees it as a duty to take care of his people and his men and his charge. So he'll do whatever it takes to complete his mission, uh, no matter what he has to do. Mm-hmm. And then um, we've got the Lynx characters, who were themselves the victims of crime, and decide that they're just—they're in street clothes, and they just throw on a Lucidor mask to hide their identity and go out and fight crime. Mm-hmm. I give them both claws because they're cats, but they're—they're um, they're not uh, out there superpowered. They're out there just street-level fighting crime. And I'm thinking this will make my, my little section more realistic but uh, and, and make the action have more real consequences for the characters. But uh, I'm hoping everyone enjoys the ride and enjoys my take on these characters.
1: Well, based on your success so far, I think, you know, this G-Man comics is off to a great start. I've just got a curious thing. It, you know, it's, it's foregone conclusion that numbers one and two are going to be great. And you're already talking about Kickstarter for beyond that. How much would you like to accomplish with G-Man comics? I mean, as far as telling stories and like uh, The Agent and things like that, do you have like goals in mind, like certain number of issues for The Agent? Other books that maybe other people will do? What do you envision the future for G-Man comics?
0: Well, the way way we are right now is Gilbert agreed to do three comics for us. So he's going to do our – you know, Simon N. Kirby, uh, The Agent, issue one. He's going to do a G-Man Comics 3-in-1, one, number one, which is, um, you know, me, Jim, and Eric. And then he's going to do another story with this, uh, Judah the Hammer Maccabee. And that's going to be a pretty straightforward uh, story of the uh, Book of Maccabees uh, boiled down into um, a, a small comic. And the characters are going to look like superheroes, but uh, or at least the the Maccabees are going to look like superheroes. The other ones, you know, the the Greeks look like the 300. You know, everyone has a distinct look, but uh, it's a pretty straight biblical story. And um, on that one, I've got uh, Ishmael Fentner um, working with me on that, and he is uh, teaching comparative religious philosophy at Whittier College, and he's my rabbi. So he's keeping me pretty honest on this one and uh, doing rewrites with me and getting that on, honestly out there. But that's what we got lined up with Gilbert. So since we really got those lined up, we're planning on getting those three out. Alan has only agreed so far to do um, issue two of uh, the agent with me, but um, I'm already halfway finished writing issue three. So um, hopefully once, uh, you know, this is in his rearview mirror, I can say to him, you know, wasn't this fun? And look how well we did. And by then, hopefully we'll have done well because he's expecting to finish up on the 15th of August. You know, and that still gives him two weeks uh, leeway if things go go south a little. And so I'm thinking if uh, he's game, we start up with number three. Mm -hmm. Ideally, we'd like to put out something quarterly because the Kickstarter takes a month to um, run through its course. And then um, printing and distribution is going to take another month. So that puts us at two months already. And to do it bimonthly would be too much for us. Mm-hmm. And so um, hopefully, you know, we'll be able to get something out every, you know, every 90 days if, if this all works. The first Kickstarter is going well, which is an indication that if we could build an audience from this, who would just support us. I mean, not, none of the three of us are looking to become rich or famous or make a lot of money on this. We just want to get the artist paid. And kind of break even, and so if that happens and we're able to do this, we'd like to all keep going. We're talking with um, with some artists too who we wanted to bring in to do more stories, but I don't think we'll be able to do more output than that. I think that for a year is really all we're going to be able to do, unless things radically change. Um, but I mean, I've got a day job, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, and so does Eric, and it's, and uh, Jim's retired, but he's got a life. And so we can't, um, you know, we can't start this full time.
1: You're off to a tremendous start. And I just, uh, I just can't wait for it. Now, we need to mention, though, that your success has actually finished some of the levels, pledge levels that you have. There's, if you look on the website right now, all gone. You know, we talked about joining the G-Man and stuff. Looks like that reward, you, you got five folks to do that already. And so that's already done. As far well, as that goes.
0: Well, I wish that the people who are listening to this had a chance uh, to join. The, unfortunately, issue two is in this too, and uh, issue three isn't going to be a team story. Issue three is going to be a much more personal story. Uh, but uh, as we keep going, um, I'd like to make this opportunity available to people in the future with uh, you know, as the story permits. In this case, we've got the whole team fighting off a giant robot, so you could have any team members you want. Um, I like the Mission Impossible aspect of it, where you know, if you watch the old Mission Impossible, he had a folder with different people in it, and he'd select this person and not that person, and he'd put together his team for just this mission. And so we got some of that in our splash page. We got a tribute to the um, All Star Comics cover where they were picking the team, and there were all the pictures of the heroes on the table. Here, they are going to be pictures of you know some of our characters, but all the Kickstarter characters are going to be on that splash page as he selects the people for this mission. And so hopefully we'll have future missions and we'll be able to get other people involved in this, too, because I think that everyone's really going to be excited to see their own character in print.
1: Yeah, It's more really a more. good idea. It's just a wonderful thing. I think people there's a lot of people out there probably going, darn. I wish I could do that. So I I have a feeling there's going to be a future for this kind of thing.
0: Oh, well, stay tuned. We'll do it. I mean, it's it's not just, oh, you got a cameo in one panel. It's not just that, oh, we got your character on the cover. I mean, we're really writing your character into the story. You don't get a whole lot of personality for your character because we've already kind of written the story and we're just going to plug your character in, but you'll get to see your character in action.
1: Mm-hmm, which is cool. And I think people in the future are going to really want that. An important thing I didn't mention earlier along, and we probably need to, is that this is uh, going to conclude on Monday, August 31st at 12 noon Eastern time. And so if you want to get on board, there's still lots of opportunity to do this. Like, for example, I already have supported, I have to say, <laughs> I love the name, Ariel 51. Is <laughs>
0: He's, he's a character that's going to appear in the third issue. In the third issue, we've got uh, Dr. Rotman, who is a um, hipster-style skeleton character. And then we have Ariel 51, who was his assistant, Igor-type assistant. Uh, they're involved in a horrific accident, and uh, he's turned, doc, the doctor's turned into a skeleton, and his assistant is turned into a, a, a two-foot-tall green creature. But uh, the assistant was hideous before and now he looks like a cute little toy and he's all excited that he's cute, which will be part of the fun. And of course, uh, you know, no one's named their character Area 51. He looks a little alien. He looks a little like a bug. We thought this would be a fun pun. I've got a lot of puns in there, if you notice, with uh, Simon and Kirby and uh, Rob McFarlane and things like that. I I enjoy that type of thing. And I thought that... uh, these type of things would be fun too. Of course, the skeleton is Rotman as he's rotting, and uh, you know.
1: Yeah, you got a lot of creativity going on in there, right? I, I, including what you have t-shirts. Which I think oh, well, is that
0: was, was, was interesting because um, on the web, on the on the first comics news website, we cover wrestling, and um, I used to be the webmaster for one of the NWA factions uh, for their website, and my son's really into the uh, indie wrestling. And out of Chicago, uh, One Hour Tees also does pro wrestling tees. And so I called them up and I talked to them and I said, I need some T-shirts for my Kickstarter. And um, they they arranged to do this for me. And so they're going to produce T-shirts for the Kickstarter. They'll print them on demand and ship them directly to you. And so um, this and everything we're doing, we're trying to be really reasonably priced. We've got. The main cover by the main artist, then the cover, the artist who isn't doing the the main body of the work is doing a variant cover for, for the comic. And then we've got Steve Butler doing a uh, variant cover. But uh, we're not charging different amounts for different covers. Variant covers aren't more expensive. It's just if we get to that tier level to unlock that, then you can choose what you want. We're, you know, we're charging hundred bucks to be in the comic, but you're going to be in the story. You're going to get a who's who page. We'll even ship you a digital copy of the who's who page. You can use it anywhere. You use your character in the future. If uh, we hit our stretch goal and print the book, you'll be in the book. If we hit our stretch goal, you'll be in the trading cards. You're, you're actually going to get to participate a great deal. And um, I mean, I know other places where they're charging two hundred dollars just to appear in a corner of the cover. And and we're trying, I mean, this is a launch for us and it's a new venture for us, but we're trying to be real reasonable in all this.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, it's really great. I mean, the thing that impresses me is I've never seen a 5X large. So that's quite amazing.
0: The the chart with the sizing on the T-shirt is um, their chart. And I just superimposed my uh, character across the um, crosshairs of that, you know, for length and width. And uh, we just took their logo off the bottom of it and put our logo on top of that. But those are the sizes they offer. Now, as it turns out, they do charge more for extended sizes, but I couldn't figure out how we charge more for extended sizes, so that's on me. If you need a 5X, uh, I'll pay the difference.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Um, well,
0: I, I just, I, I, we wanted, if you wanted to wear our t-shirt, I'm, I'm ex- so proud and excited that you cared that much. That, um, you know, if, if uh, we went with a real flat rate, uh, the T-shirts um, came out at 19.99, which I think is real reasonable for a branded T-shirt. But, um, you know, in Kickstarter, everything, nothing ends in 99. It's all in dollars. So it's $20. But, you know, if you wanted to wear our T-shirt and they charge us extra and we don't make any money, that's, a, that's okay. I mean, the T-shirt business isn't a money-making business for anyone, but people who make the T-shirts. Well, it's free publicity if they
1: wear it. <laughs> Absolutely. It'll,
0: it'll and, and, and if they love my characters that much, why wouldn't I want to support them? They'll be there for us for the next Kickstarter, too. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, I want to wrap up with something that uh, you and I were talking about a little bit before we started to record, is that I follow you on Facebook, too, and I've noticed – that we're seeing less of you these days, and I think that's a great thing. Why don't you talk a little bit about the process and, and what you're doing with this kind of good stuff?
0: Well, I mean, when I was young, I was in shape, and I, you know, and, and I was in the gym all the time, and I was active. And as I got, you know, as you had kids and got older, I started putting on more and more weight. And uh, you know, you don't, I didn't ever put it all on at once. It was a gradual thing over the years. Every year, I weighed more than the year before and it had gotten to the point where um, I I really should do something about it before it affected my health. And and it hadn't, thank God, which made it easy enough to do something about it because once it starts affecting your health, it's almost impossible. So my wife and I decided as our New Year's resolution that we were going to lose weight and uh, we were going to do it with whole foods. Uh, We gave up all uh, bread, all dairy, We gave up all sweeteners, both natural and artificial. And I love Diet Coke. That was the hardest thing to give up out of everything I'd given up. And we started off with, uh, you know, once a week I would go to the store and I would buy a ton of vegetables. And I would chop up uh, the lettuce and I'd chop up jalapenos and I'd chop up tomatoes and I'd chop up olives. And I'd put them all in little Ziploc bags. And for breakfast, I would have a salad. And I got one uh, teaspoon of balsamic vinaigrette with that. For lunch, I'd have another salad. And then for dinner, I'd buy a rotisserie chicken at uh, Sam's Club. They get a free plug here. And I'd pull the bones out and put it in Ziploc bags, separating out the white and the dark meat. And I'd, uh, I'd have uh, a little bit of chicken with either some rice or we'd alternate sometimes with broccoli or carrots. And, but whatever vegetables we used, they were steamed. No butter, no frying, no anything like that. And the rice was, uh, we went with uh, balsami rice, which has a hard husk on it, which makes it harder to digest so that it doesn't break down into starch the same way in your body as easily. And we went with brown balsami because that has an even thicker husk on it. You know, not that everyone cares about all this type of stuff, but uh, with the chicken and the rice primarily, and then the alternating with some vegetables, I've lost um, as of today 109 pounds. Wow. And so um, people may say that's a huge number, but they don't understand. Started in January, we're in August. First week I lost 15 pounds, second week I lost 10, and after that it's two to three a week. If you add up the weeks and you multiply by three, you kind of get to where I am. As it turns out, I still have a few more pounds to lose. I need to lose about another 35 pounds or so to really get back into the shape I used to be in when I was young. And uh, everyone tells me, oh, you've lost enough weight, you can stop now, but they don't understand. I've spent my whole life you know, not, not finishing this project and so um, I'm, I'm going to get all the way down into uh, really lean shape. And then from there, I can put on some muscle. And people say that, um, oh, well, you, if you put on the muscle while you're losing the weight, it'll help burn the fat. And that very may well be true. But uh, e- even when I was heavier, I, I, I was uh, real, real firm. It's like a steak where you see the fat, it marbled into the steak you know, I had fat marbled into the muscle. And so never got to the point where I burned it all off. So th- that's the goal right now is to get down to, you know, really, really lean and then then put on some muscle.
1: Well, cool. Yeah. Well, I have to congratulate you because as somebody who struggles with weight all my whole life, only one time did I, uh, did I ever, I could eat whatever I wanted and I still lost weight. That stopped. It was like somebody threw a switch and I was back to every calorie. My body says, I've got to have that. So I, I can just applaud you on doing that. I think that's really great stuff. It's just a wonderful thing to see, you know, somebody do that and then accomplish that. It's just a, a great thing to do, especially since you were probably locked indoors for several months. That was probably still a big accomplishment.
0: Well, if you don't buy the food and you don't go out, it made it easier for me, at least. Because what was in the house were, were, it was lettuce, and you can't eat too much lettuce. And even if you binge on lettuce, you haven't got anything. It's all, uh, you know, fiber and water. Initially, the salads were really large, you know, but uh, because you could eat as much lettuce as you wanted. But over time, I got lazy, and now I go to Walmart, and I get something that says 130 calories or 160 calories on it. And sometimes they come with, like, little chips in the package, and I throw those away uh, and and drop another 10 calories. Uh, So that this is easy for me. It it can't really be onerous, but uh, I'm trying to do what it takes. And and certainly because my wife's doing it with me, it makes it easy if she was sitting there – you know, with a bag of candy or a bag of chips, and I'm sitting there with my salad, it might have been much harder for me. But uh, doing it together, the, the stuff isn't in the house. And, uh, you know, on my birthday, when they, they had a party for me, I had no cake, I had one raspberry, I turned it upside down and put the candle in it. And uh, <laughs> I've had a lot of cakes over the years of my life. And so for this year, I have to say no to everything
1: yeah but you know what you're going to be better off for it when uh, as your as your body continues to uh get healthier and and you know, you'll be around longer and we'll get to enjoy your writing and stuff a lot more so congratulations on that and congratulations on Simon n Kirby, the agent number one and two already passed your goal into the stretch goals again it's going to wrap up on monday august thirty first at twelve noon but don't wait that long. Uh, you know, they always talk about the daily heart attack and, uh, you know, you, you've already made the accomplishment. So it's not quite that bad, but you'd like to see more accomplished. And you, you the next, uh, you said there was a, another stretch goal you're aiming for. Well,
0: we have, we have a variety of different stretch goals. We made the first go- goal to make our goal, which releases the first covers. Then we hit our second stretch goal, which released the variant covers. Our third stretch goal will release the Steve Butler variant covers. Um, Then if we hit our fourth stretch goal, we're going to do a variant on the Steve Butler covers by releasing his line art as the covers without any color. And then our final stretch goal would be to give the free uh, version of our handbook to everyone who pledges and to do the trading cards. One of the levels is you get all six covers. So if you pledge to that level and we don't even hit our stretch goal, or you who pledged to that, you will get all six covers. That would be, uh, you know, one from each artist. Wouldn't include the black and white cover, but you'd still be getting the Steve Butler cover. So, um, you know, if we don't hit our stretch goal, you'll have a real limited collector's edition because those will only be printed for the people who um, pledged at that level. But we're expecting to hit our final goal, and uh, everyone has a chance at that. and Everyone gets another free comic.
1: Oh, boy. Free comics. We love that good stuff. So, so you know, Rick, you're doing wonderful stuff. Again, it's Simon N. Kirby, the agent, number one and number two. And I think this is going to be one of those creative, fun books I'm going to be glad that I have in my library, which I'm looking forward to getting. And, you know, keep it up and, you know, keep up all the good stuff on all the comics journalism you're doing, as well as other things. And we have to talk again because I'm sure there's going to be great Absolutely. stuff that you're up to. So uh, we'll talk again, Rick, and you know, keep up the wonderful stuff, and we look forward to more from you in the future.
0: Well, thank you for having me on your show. Uh, it's very nice of you to, to invite me here, and um, hopefully your uh, readers en- or your listeners enjoyed uh, you know, what we're doing.
1: I think they will, so thanks.
0: <laughs> People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne, as a man. I'm flesh and blood, I can be ignored, I can be destroyed, but it's a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics podcast, so you can keep reading your comics.
1: That's it for this week. Be back next episode when I'll have another terrific conversation with another wonderful comics creator. But until then, keep reading your comics.